Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. Thank you so much for being here. I'm trying my new microphone. I really hope the voice is clear now and you love it. So thank you. Thank you for the feedbacks. I am taking everything on and we'll try to make a difference for season five, which is coming very soon. Thank you. Each time you support I Am The Code, you're elevating young women and girls globally. There's so many young women and girls who need our support right now. So thank you for everything you do for humanity. Our beneficiaries are really strong. They're inspirational young women, as I said before, who have witnessed the worst of humanity. Really, they have. But they do not give up. They keep going. They keep moving. And I really believe that education is their future. But with coronavirus, the pandemic, they've been left in limbo. And they will not have access to connectivity, content, even schools. They will not have access to schools. It's really fascinating. But our podcast is a weekly podcast about well-being, building resilience, elevating humanity, and really showcasing the work we are doing in Kakuma, especially with young refugee girls. I think people need to start paying attention. I hope that you'll find the podcast valuable, authentic, and inspiring. The people I invite, my true heroes. I've met them, I've seen them, and they're doing amazing work globally. Thank you. They also want to give. They really want to give and help these young girls. One of the things I've been thinking about really recently is many people may not know what being a pro bono lawyer is. And my guest this week is really someone you really should know. If you have been watching American legal movies or programs, and you'll see a lot of pro bono lawyers. And my guest, as I said earlier, she was the first woman appointed in 1997 as a legally qualified full-time pro bono manager. Really amazing. The first in kind in Europe. Her name, Yasmin Walji. She's an OBE. She earned so many accolades from the Queen in England, and you just name it. She's international pro bono director at the Hogan and Lovells, which is an international firm supporting I Am The Code and many people globally. She is truly an inspirational person you need to know. We discuss her work, her upbringing, and how she ended up fighting for the most marginalized in society. And what I love about her, she made justice for all her mission in life. And it's truly an honor to speak to Yasmin. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and I will see you on the other side. Hello, Yasmin. How are you? It is so wonderful to be here. Thank you, Mariam. You you are an inspiration. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We always said to our guests why we invited them. So let me tell you why we decided to have you on the podcast. I think you've done two things really that you may not know about this. And I'm sure I will quote you on your go. Oh my God, I didn't know. But I think we are both really linked to the World Economic Forum. But I like the fact that you are so kind and responsive. I remember meeting you a long time ago and I was just telling about I am the code and that we need some legal advice. And you and I were having a conversation and you really took your time to help us. And I heard about your name before and we'll just talk about that. But you really responded and you connected us with your team and you supported us. I really appreciated that. And I think the second thing is you always respond you always do your best to help people the amount of work you've done for the world is so unbelievable i just wanted the young women and the girls listening to us who are refugees 
who are living in difficult conditions across the world to just know someone like you exists. I always say to people, the world is full of people, but there are some amazing individuals that I have the honor and the, the privilege to meet. And I like to share them with the, the world. So Yasmin, thank you so much for coming to the I Am The Code podcast and welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. And it's my privilege. You are very kind to highlight the work that I've done. But in honesty, my inspiration is from working with colleagues and charities around the world who do such enormously valuable work that I feel honestly it's a duty to help and to give life to all those ideas so thank you it's my pleasure so I know you're working from home now how was the pandemic for you so it's been fine I've been incredibly um, privileged to be able to mashallah things are, are absolutely fine at home but Obviously, the work that I do is to provide legal advice to people in difficulty. And I we've literally seen a huge increase in requests for help. We've had a 500-fold increase in people needing benefits and welfare benefits in the United Kingdom, huge requests from small businesses who've been really challenged because of the COVID situation. And one group who I think we miss, but they are so important to societies all over the world, is music and culture. And so many of those young people in that industry have really found it difficult. So whilst as a family, we've been absolutely fine, I know it's been hard for many people. I'm so glad you're doing this because I think, as you said, it's really difficult. I'll go through your job in a minute, what you do. But the other thing I was going to ask you is that why do you help people? Why do you feel the need to to go and help out and really support these amazing and vulnerable people across the world? Why do you do that? Partly, it's about understanding that I have a very privileged position. I work in the United Kingdom. I work as a lawyer. And actually, I feel I have a professional duty as well as a personal obligation to do what I can for others in society. There are many people around the world who are not in that position. And so the question becomes, why wouldn't you help someone? If you have the ability to do it, why wouldn't you do that? Now, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older now. So I have probably about 20 to 30 years of a working life left. Mm-hmm. And the question is, so what do you do for others? What legacy are we going to be leaving behind for future generations? Hmm. And I want my family, my husband and my community to be proud of the work that I have done. And so why wouldn't we do our best for the communities in which we live and work? That's really beautiful. It's really amazing. Our team this season is elevating humanity. And I think knowing the work you've done and just having been following the work you've been doing, it's really fascinating that you've been elevating humanity in using the skills you have and and your legal background to do all of this. But when you think about it very carefully, why do we need to elevate humanity? Why do we need to make sure that, as you said, we are leaving a legacy out there? We are helping people because the world is really unfair, right? It is absolutely unfair. And our world is really fractured and has become more so as time has gone on. And this terrible COVID disease has penetrated the world and really showed our fragilities. 
low-income communities, people from ethnic minority backgrounds have been disproportionately affected. And with that comes stress and it prompts discontent and unkindness often. And that is terrible to see as we become fractured and more discontented. And I think we owe it to the people around us to think about kindness, because it's only through kindness that we're actually going to overcome some of these obstacles. It's to go out of our way and be generous in spirit. And actually, that's the essence of our humanity. You are generous in spirit. I don't know anyone that is more generous. And you represent the essence of humanity. We would much rather be with people like that, I think. Mm, no, absolutely. It's really important. I was going to just ask a little bit. Where did you study? Did you study in the UK? Where did you grow up? I did. I grew up in a, a little town um, north of Cambridge, uh, north of London called Cambridge. With my parents, um, migrated to the United Kingdom from Kenya and Tanzania in 1967. And I was born here. I went to school in Cambridge. And then I went to university in the north of England at Durham and finally became a lawyer and joined a major law firm. And it's always been challenging to keep going and pursuing the very best that you can. But I've managed to get into a position now where I can actually use my skills to help others. So I feel that my background as an immigrant and my parents as immigrants to the UK have really strived to make sure that we made the best of my education and we could achieve And I think education is so important for that. It can elevate anyone out of a position of disadvantage. I have a couple of people that, as I said earlier, that I look up to and I'm so proud of them when I see them on TV, when I see them as Asian Africans representing us at Nazir on the podcast. And we were talking about, you are the first you know, UK prosecutor. He said, oh, yes, but he was so proud of himself. And I always said, I am so proud of you, all the work you guys have been doing. But did you always want to become a lawyer or was it always the path you wanted to take? So actually, I, I'm really interested in business and economics and the way in which the economic system in the world works. That was really how I wanted to see how we could bring about equality of wealth, equality of opportunity. So I actually started down a career path of economics and gradually I understood that law would have an influence on that. But I always knew that I wanted to ensure equal opportunity of wealth in society because that is the only way that we can elevate people and ensure that they aspire to their potential. So I have wanted to be a lawyer, but more a business lawyer. And the reason to be a business lawyer was to prompt equal opportunity. I think the boys and girls listening to that who will be you know, looking at the work today and, and thinking about how to get jobs of the future will definitely be inspired in knowing that actually they can become coders and also become lawyers. It's really fun. I always wanted to become a lawyer, but I don't think I had the intelligence. <laughs> no, no, absolutely you do. I think we all have the potential to be a lawyer, but what's great about it is if you want to be a lawyer is to think about the specialization. Do you want to look after people and look at employment law? Is it litigation that you want to do? So it's about justice, but it's also a little bit more than that. How are you going to 
change society or be part of society to bring about change. That, that leads me to, to, to the work you currently do. I was reading so much about you. I, I thought I've read, but actually I was so impressed. You represented the victims of uh, violent crimes and terrorism with compensation applications. And you did amazing work in doing campaigns and securing compensations, really for not just outsiders, but also British victims and terrorism abroad. But when I really listen to you and listen to Nazir and listen to these amazing people who are going out there to fight justice, to fight crimes, to make sure that uh, you can represent people. Because as I said, representation matters. But if you don't have the right lawyers representing you, you may also be treated unfairly. What drives this passion in just going and trying to get this justice, bring justice to people, right? And Nazir was saying to me that he really wanted to help women who've been you know, victim of sexual violence and, and children. But how about you? What drives you? So thank you very much for, for commenting on the cases. What drives me is actually ensuring that the skills that we have are put to the benefit of people. And actually, I we help maybe over a thousand charities will help many different people in many different situations of injustice. Currently, I'm working representing women who were sadly the victims of sexual violence by Islamic State and Daesh. And that's a, an incredibly horrific situation that they have been through. And what we're trying to do is to take these individual stories and elevate them into the international sphere, to UN bodies, to governments, to say, hear the voices of people who are without a voice. And what we can do is use our skills to help elevate those issues so that they are heard. Too often, injustice sits in situations of the shadows and it it's perpetuated because it's unknown. Sexual violence happens in the shadows. People don't talk about their situation because they're shy and they're shameful about it. But actually, we need to be very open about this because the moment you become open about it, mm -hmm. it can be something can be done about it. And actually, the perpetrators yeah. of these terrible acts mm -hmm. then become shamed. They become the focus, yes. not the individual. What motivates me, you ask me what drives me behind that, it's to take those stories and make them known to the wider world. You know, I wish when I was growing up, we had someone like you, because I think sometimes, as you said, People do this kind of stuff because no one is actually doing anything about it. Sexual violence is so prevalent in Africa. And sometimes, you know, Maki Sal, my president in Senegal, you know, it, it, it took years, years to put a family planning law and bring a promulgation for sexual violence. But for many years, women have been violated and no one did anything about it. So I'm so happy that someone like you is out there, you know, fighting for uh, fighting for people. And I do it because of the bravery of the women, like mm. people who speak out, who need help, because it is so difficult to make your voice heard, mm -hmm. to come forward. Well, it is. You know, and then I think what I like also about you is that you do your work properly. And I was reading the other day, just looking at your LinkedIn profile. You actually are one of, you know, probably the, the first person to be appointed in January uh, 2021 
as a legal qualified full-time pro bono partner. It's really amazing. That's really fascinating. Why do you think pro bono matters? And, and how do you feel about being bringing this kind of pro bono work as a partner in a, in a big legal firm like yours? So important. Thank you. For those people who might not know, means for the mm-hmm. public good. It's a Latin phrase, for the public good. I am the first partner in the United Kingdom that leads a pro bono practice. So all the work that I do is the provision of free legal advice to charities and individuals all over the world. I am incredibly lucky and fortunate that I have a firm who really lives its values, genuinely believes that we as responsible lawyers need to be providing access to justice for communities who can't get access to it. What I have the privilege of doing is basically marshalling all the resource that we have to genuinely provide access to justice on certain issues. So why do we need pro bono lawyers? We need lawyers who are responsible and who understand need and understand that access to justice is incredibly important to the rule of law. It is the only way in which we hold governments to account. It is the only way we can hold the police to account and law enforcement when they don't take forward rape actions or prosecutions. In the United Kingdom, we have an appalling rate of prosecution of rape. So we need people who are willing to stand up and do that that work. Is it difficult, do you think? It's very difficult. And I think Mm. institutions, major law firms Mm. need to be putting resource into these practices and demonstrating that if they are responsible citizens as responsible businesses, Mm -hmm. they should be having an infrastructure which allows their lawyers to provide legal support. Wow. That's, I watch Scandal. (laughs) <laughs> I love the lawyers fighting for people. <laughs> it was really beautiful. I, I do watch it all the time. I'm so glued to it, but I'm always impressed with lawyers. I really like the fact that they will go out and fight for you. And when you have these spicy lawyers, I just, uh, they really fascinate me. But let me ask you, who has changed your life? Thinking about getting into law, being recognized globally like this, who is there mentoring you and, and supporting you? Because our young girls will need it's a very difficult job what you do. It's not easy. It's really hard out there. But do you have any mentors? Who has inspired you? It's really interesting. You were thinking about this. And there have been so many people on my journey who have shared with me their wisdom. But actually, it is the people around me, my team, who I take inspiration and joy from, the people who make me laugh, the people who question me, and the team of friends I have, who actually our team is dominated by women and one man who who struggles to make his own, but he's brilliant. Bless him. It is that group of people who are dynamic and provide me with the energy to keep going as well as our clients. Actually, the stories of our clients are things that, that motivate me. So I would suggest not all of us can have a mentor, but take strength from the people around you. There are some inspirational young women, young men around you who are achieving more than could be possibly said of a Nobel Prize winner, for example. Mm-hmm. It is the people that make you laugh that are the ones that you should take your inspiration from. Oh, that's very true. That's really true. Wow, that's amazing. Where are your parents now? 
so obviously my parents inspired me but my parents are still alive but in mashallah mm-hmm. and they're in cambridge they my father was an accountant and is now retired my mother was a nurse she's now retired too but they're doing very well mm-hmm. very well your mom must be a very strong woman she is she she came to the united kingdom in uh, 1958 to do her nursing training and she couldn't speak a word of english she was coming from tanzania on a british council scheme and she found it tough really tough the mm. racism sadly in the united kingdom was very strong at that point mm-hmm. and she clawed her way to a qualification subsequently met my father back in nairobi and they came back again in 1967 but they have shown as migrants to the uk incredible tenacity i know um, done and, and well. mm. yeah mapped out a path for me my my family beautiful it's beautiful we are very proud of you definitely we are so proud of you they've done wonderfully well but let me ask you you know you have african origins as well as asian origins we do celebrate every year world refugees week i know about moving from one place and i'm sure your parents also do what is the radical change do we need for the world refugees there are over 80 million of them right now is there any legal angle we need to take to reduce this number it's too much yasmin it's too much i know I know this is an incredibly difficult problem incredibly difficult. I think and this is going to sound a slightly left field idea mm-hmm. but many of the refugees around the world in fact all of them are the result of economic injustice. Mm. Like this to the point you were saying earlier big wanted to become an economist yeah yeah. Exactly. And so actually we need to start looking at the causes of the wars and how they are financed and who is behind these incredibly difficult situations which then force refugees from their homes we need to look to the leaders and we need to look at how these wars are being financed and then we need to go after the financiers so i have been working on a project to hold members of government to account for what they are doing and the money that they hide and they take out of their nations and put into other parts of the world and how they finance their wars and once we get hold of those finances mm-hmm. we can then properly put them back into democratic institutions so it is a very long process mm-hmm. but actually we have to get to the roots of the cause of why refugees are leaving countries and the reason they're leaving is because they don't have access to skills they don't have access to to good safe environments nobody leaves no. their home because they want to no, no of course not. they're forced out of it and they're forced out of it because of war mm. and we need to stop the financing of these wars you are so right in saying that every every year I sit down and I watch the UNHCR and all these organizations count the number of refugees. It looks like it's a game for them. It was 79 million. It's like, oh, now it's 80 million. I said, really? Is that what you want to do? Just keep counting the refugees? <laughs> so I'm like, you're absolutely right. I think no one is putting a stop on this, right? So no one is putting a stop. No. But we need to follow the money. Exactly. And we need to have good aid, good investment into communities across the world we need to hold those people to account who are forcing out their refugee families and making sure that ultimately we encourage economic development that's safe and peaceful and that's the only way we're going to address the refugee situation
No, you're right. The other thing I've learned from the work you do, you support so many charities. And as I said at the beginning of this uh, this podcast, that you have supported us. You really have supported I Am The Code. And, and I'm so glad that you are supporting other charities. Why do you think helping charities matters? Because some of this work that business is doing or the government, charities are doing it across the world and they really suffered through COVID. Why do you support charities and and, and what is the sort of work you you help uh, charities with if someone is listening? Absolutely. So we will provide legal support and advice to help charities scale up, become bigger, become stronger. And that in itself, and introduce them to new audiences for funding. And the reason to do it is honestly because innovation comes from charities and social enterprises. You are the most brilliant innovator. And that's because you have had a lived experience, Mm -hmm. because you are able to marshal resource, you're able to see the problem and then tackle it. No one else can do that. No one else can come up with that level of innovation. That's why we need to support charities. No, we're very happy. I'll just ask you later on to just uh, mention the name of your law firm, just in case people want to go and find out and really want them to follow you on LinkedIn, on social media, because I think you're extraordinary. But the young girls are listening now. They are refugees. They are from South Sudan, Burundi, Kinshasa. As you just mentioned, they are from fractured societies. They're 18 years old plus, and right now they're sitting in Kakuma refugee camp listening to you. They're learning how to code. They want to become lawyers. One of them actually, a ball, I want to become a lawyer, a climate change activist lawyer. I know you like climate change. Yeah. Now, what, what would you say to a ball who's listening to you now? And how do you think she can really keep going as a refugee and become a lawyer one day and join the global workforce? What advice do you have for her? She's listening now. I would say, Abor, you and your friends need to aspire to connect yourself to the world. You're now a coder. You can reach any part of the world through your coding skills. It's hard. I know it's hard. But through the internet, it is such a fantastic mechanism to connect yourself to other parts of the world and other societies and to learn. You now have the ability to pull information globally from all over the world as much as you can and try and connect yourself and to take those skills that you've learned and apply them. But you don't have to move. We can connect in so many other different ways. I would like to encourage everyone to try and take as much education, take as much out of life as possible and learn everything there is to know, every experience, every opportunity, grab it. Even if it doesn't seem like a great, initially, that's not something you're very inspired by, but it is only by testing ourselves, by pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones that we ever know truly what we can achieve. So connect and push yourself out of your comfort zone. I'm sure right now she's listening to you. She's a very smart young lady from South Sudan, really beautiful person. They actually, they're also doing their sustainable development goals, which I know you're very passionate about. Can you tell them how they can use the sustainable development goals into legal frame? What do they need to do? They do a lot of climate change issues, gender equality. Patience, actually, who's listening now, has got something on peace and justice, goal number uh, 16. She loves that. She's from South Sudan. She always talks about peace. If patients want to get into the legal world, become a lawyer, what advice do you have for patients? What I would do, patients, is it's an incredibly um, important 
interest that you have, peace and justice is is fundamental to democratic societies. Again, keep learning, try and make connections in your community and nationally reach out. Don't don't um, be afraid of reaching to talk to people in government, to talk to people in your local communities, to, to tell them about your wish to be a lawyer and to work on climate change issues, to work on civil justice issues. A lot of the time, I think as girls, we tend to hope that our work will get recognised just because we're doing good work. That's not right. You have to take control of your own career, your own sense of ambition and drive it forwards, which means you have to, just like the boys do, go and make friends with people, go and connect. And one of the single biggest valuable lessons my father taught me is make friends with everybody. Make friends with everybody because you learn from them and also it helps you understand the path that you need to take. And I want to offer you a realistic proposition. So I would say connect with lawyers in Sudan. Ask them, what do they do? Will they let you have some work experience? Can they come and talk to you about what it is they do? Just keep connecting. That's a beautiful thing. We have mentors. I was saying to you earlier that we have mentors and we have people. And one of the things that I'm really hoping for is to have lawyers, mentors, mentoring these young girls because they're so smart. And I'm so happy that they're listening to you now, Yasmin. Let me ask you something. The COVID-19 has really affected so many people, including the people you are helping as well. When you think about the work you guys are doing in your firm How are you using the Sustainable Development Goals to advise your clients and get them involved and advance them? What are you doing? Can can you tell the girls? Absolutely. It's really important. So all businesses now must try to aspire to implement the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So what we try and encourage our corporate clients to do is to take the goals and understand how their services are going to support gender equality or how are they going to address issues of life below the sea. We need to take these goals and make them operationally part of business. They are important for government, but they're also important for business. So we are making great strides in talking to our clients to say, okay, what can you do to advance or can you change your business operations to advance the UN SDGs? Separately, it's also about making people familiar with what the content is, education around them. How do we make sure everybody in the world, government, civil society, individuals, all know about the UN SDGs and adapt their lives to it? So try to reduce the amount of plastic we're using so it doesn't end up in streams and rivers. How are we personally going to make that change? Really amazing. But let me come back to you. You know, I know you don't like talking sure. about yourself. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> we have to. But like I said, I'm so proud of the work you've done. You've been recognized by the United Kingdom, the Queen here, your OBE. But I'm sure someone has asked you this before. What advice, now the young girls are listening to you, these are refugees, you just talk to patients and all, and I'm sure they'll be delighted to know that you gave them this wonderful advice. But if you think about it very carefully, what would you say to the youngest Yasmin when you were really driven, want to become a lawyer, having the support from your parents who have worked so hard to be where they are? What would you say to your younger self if you're advising her now? When I was young, I was very shy. I wouldn't challenge. I wouldn't raise my voice. I would respect my elders. I would obviously educate myself as much as I could, but I was very quiet. 
And I didn't have as much confidence as I do now. And I think if I was talking to my younger self, I would say, have confidence in yourself, challenge, speak out. Your views count, make them heard, make people around you hear what you have to say. It is valuable, it is valued. And by entering in these conversations, you will learn more about yourself and the direction of your travel. But don't be shy, have confidence. That's what I'd say. <laughs> That's really amazing. The girls in Kakuma are so confident sometimes. Oh my God. <laughs> I wish I was like you when I was young. So Absolutely. It's about being respectful, mm-hmm. but also making sure that you are heard and that you listen to mm-hmm. others around you. Listening is, is really important. They do these debates all the time. I watch them debate. It's really, you should watch them on Saturdays. It's really fascinating. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I wanted to ask you, why do you do good? I, I know you mentioned it earlier, but people who are listening, businesses, you go your way to do pro bono work. You could just go in and a lot of money into a law firm, but you wanted to do this <laughs> because you wanted to change the world. Why doing good matters? And one of the things I also love, probably you don't notice this, is you like telling the stories of others. I saw on your LinkedIn, you sometimes highlight your colleagues or highlight organizations you've been working with. I love that. When I see something pop up on your LinkedIn, I just know that you are really highlighting someone. Why does it matter to tell someone else's story? But also, why does it matter to do good for just people who are listening who want to do pro bono work or want to help out, but they don't know how to do it, what advice do you have for them? Absolutely. Why do good? Why wouldn't you, as I said before? But also, actually, it's all about giving back to our communities. You have a privilege, a skill, even just listening to someone, reading with someone. All of us can do something. All of us have the ability to give of ourselves just a little bit. We know that you've got demands on your time from families, from friends, your education, but it's never too young to start to think about actually what's the one bit of kindness that I can give back? Is it highlighting someone else's success? We should be proud of other people's successes. Is it just just befriending someone who's lonely and making sure that they feel comfortable? Just small acts of kindness, if it would add up to an enormous movement, I think, if we all just did just one small act of kindness. That's all we're asking for. No, true. I just love that the people of Japan believe that everyone has got a Nikigai. You know, I talk, I've been talking about this Ikigai thing that people need to do good in life. But if you think about it, another advice you have for the girls what do the world need right now? What do we need? Is it kindness? We need empathy, compassion, what else do we need? Because I think we have pretty much a lot of things, but we're not progressing. Something is really wrong. What do you think we need in your opinion? As well as kindness of individual acts, we also need mobilization in Mm -hmm. truth. We need to work together in a coordinated manner to achieve change. We need to help each other and drive each other forward, but on a common platform. I sincerely believe that we need to organize more. It might be around climate change. It might be around poverty. It might be around getting the COVID vaccines. But if we can come together with one voice, whether it's in the United Kingdom or in a refugee camp in Kenya, there are common issues amongst us all. 
but the world will not hear us unless we come together and organize. That was the most inspiring thing I've ever heard. Like, you know, the whole week, my God, that's really true. We need <laughs> to, you know, you, you are right. Seriously, I have nothing to say about that. It, it's just, it's so true. It's so true. Wow. Well, Yasmin, you know, you and I can talk until tomorrow. You have one bonus question. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Everyone, everyone has got a bonus. You've been so inspiring and comforting, honestly. I just have to ask you this. So you just said something so beautiful that we need to mobilize, right? We need to mobilize and make sure that everyone we're yes. collaborating and working together. Girls' education, I know you care about that. What do we need to do for girls' education? So I think it depends on where you sit and where your sphere of activity is. I think for, for me in the United Kingdom, I need to press hard on our government to restore the contribution of our GDP. It needs to be 0.7% of GDP, and it's gone down to 0.5. And that is tragic for girls' education. I think the other thing that I can do is to mobilize private finance to support education because that's the sphere of influence that I have. And I would encourage all of those investment communities around you to come together to try and drive that forward. I think if you're a teacher, making sure that you look at the young woman at the back of the class who's very quiet and very timid and doesn't say very much and get her to voice her thoughts. And when all of us need to be very respectful of the women around us and make sure their voices are heard so we can act on lots of different levels to achieve an increase in girls' education. But most importantly, as we said earlier, is I think mobilization on lots of different areas. We need lots of different movements to bring about an increase in girls' education. Absolutely. Yasmin Walji, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the I Am The Code podcast, but also thank you for all the stuff you are doing on behalf of I Am The Code, all the charities across the world. And we need you to continue helping us and helping people out there who need strong, credible voices to with pro bono work and legally. So many people need need your organization. So I'm going to let you just tell us this amazing law firm Thank that you, you work for. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I work for the law firm Hogan Lovells, which is a global law firm in operating in many different countries, including Africa. And I just want to say to your young women, keep going. Sometimes it will be disheartening, but you mustn't be disheartened. Keep going, rely on your friends and you will achieve. Make your networks, mobilize, you can do this. And you will show the rest of us just how it's done. I always wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to become a lawyer actually, just to fight for justice. I think some of the firms we have globally are doing amazing work in bringing justice to those who can't afford lawyers, community lawyers, so many things. And I think we need to start saying thank you to these amazing people who behind the scenes are going to courtrooms, they're supporting people, prosecutors, attorneys. We really need to start thinking about that community because I've seen the work they do is amazing. For example, I don't know if you know, but they've been supporting the George Floyd family, Hogan and Lovells. Without this firm, I don't think George Floyd, the black American that got killed in May, 2020. 
I don't think his family will find justice. I really don't think so. So really fantastic to have courageous people like Yasmin, her colleagues, and all the people they have globally to really do something wonderful like this. You have been listening to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. I can talk to you until tomorrow, but I have to let you go. If you like this content, please share it with your friends, subscribe to it. We love talking to you every Friday and we count on your generosity. We are a very small team at I Am The Code dedicated to making the world a better place by creating inspiring content, introducing you to people like Yasmin, who you can learn from. I think by doing that, you can be better and do better. Remember to donate to I Am The Code. We are a very small foundation. Any penny you donate to I Am The Code will help us move the needle. Thank you so much for being here. And I want to say thank you before we finish this podcast in the next couple of weeks to the entire team at I Am The Code, the producers, the editors, the people who listen to the podcast. Thank you. I see you. I hear you. And I want to say thank you again for everything you do for I Am The Code. I want to wish you a wonderful weekend. Have a lovely time. Please share the podcast and I will see you next week. Thank you and goodbye.